article that said that people who put their Christmas decorations up early are generally happier than other people. Uh, (laughs) You might be the happy ones. We only have two candles at Clifton Hill at the moment. We're going slow. But this is exciting. Um, Apparently, colour and light lift the spirits. This is what the research shows, but I think that's probably fairly obvious. Um, And uh, this week when I was on Facebook, a friend posted a photo of her family putting up the tree and she wrote, we did this today and we are not ashamed. And we are not ashamed at Merry Creek to have started Advent early. We are taking a long look this year at the light of the world, Jesus. And the hope is that it will deepen our joy and our faith. In the family that I grew up in, we were not allowed to put the Christmas tree up until the entire house was cleaned. And as I say this out loud for the second time today, I realise what a great tactic that was on my mum's part. Uh, there were, I'm one of eight kids, so it was a big house and pretty messy. And I was always kind of surprised and disheartened by how long it took to clean the house before we put the tree up. We dusted, we cleaned. My particular job was to polish all the silver for Christmas Day. Old people might know that (laughs) about that. Younger ones probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Anyway, it was not the best part of getting ready for Christmas, okay, the cleaning, but it was totally worth it because once the tree went up and all the decorations were there, our house was transformed from something quite ordinary into what I remember as something beautiful and wondrous. And at the end of that day of cleaning, I would love to turn on the lights on the tree and see them sparkle and sit there and stare. And what we're doing today is a little bit like that. You know, to really appreciate the light of the world, Jesus Christ, we have to first take a look at what is there without him. And that is the darkness in this world. Both John in that reading and the Old Testament prophet Isaiah spoke about the trouble and pain in our world as a kind of darkness. And they said that all people, even God's people in the Old Testament, were walking in darkness. And as you think about our world today and maybe even your own life, I'm pretty sure I don't need to persuade you that there is darkness in our world. And so instead of listing it for you, I want to pause with you and pay attention together to the darkness. And in your booklet, you've received a little piece of cloth that has some little tears in the top of it. And maybe already as I've been speaking, you've been thinking about the darkness. You might have started thinking about the wars in our world. Israel, Gaza, Russia, Ukraine, Somalia, so many wars actually, or some other injustice going on, or maybe you've um, been drawn to something going on in your own life or in your own heart. And so what I invite you to do as you think about the darkness is to tear cloth in lament. And tearing cloth is an ancient practice um, in, in um, the Bible, something that people did when they were lamenting the darkness. And I invite you now 
even as I'm talking, to, to do this as you reflect when you're ready to um, lament. The earliest recording of tearing cloth in the Bible is in Genesis 37 when Jacob's older sons come to him and say, your favourite son Joseph has been killed by wild animals. They were actually lying, they'd sold him into slavery, but Jacob didn't know that. It's terrible anyway. And in his immense grief and in the darkness of that moment, he tears cloth. So I invite you to do that. As you think about things, to tear cloth. Jacob tore his clothes in anguish. You may be lamenting the darkness of the world on a large scale or the darkness of your own life, disappointments, thoughts or behaviour that are casting a deep shadow in your relationships or in your own heart. It may even be that God seems absent to you or you haven't been able to face him for a long time. Anything that brings trouble or suffering or death. All of the darkness is lamentable. And the Bible tells us that the darkness of our world is spiritual. That is, it's going on inside us and outside of us. It's not something that we can really control. It both affects us and infects us. And no one is immune. We all suffer from pain from living in a world where the creation is frustrated and makes it hard. And uh, when the light shines in our hearts, uh, we discover parts of our own selves that are hard to face, motives and actions, things that hurt ourselves and others. And I'm not saying that there are no uh, perpetrators of pain. There are definitely perpetrators and victims, but we are all affected and infected by sin. The scripture says we've all been created in God's image, but we are all in sin. We are light and dark, everyone. Sometimes we're painfully aware of the darkness, and I know that I've put you in that place right now. But a lot of the time, we're actually quite oblivious to it. And sometimes when we've heard a lot of news, we try and escape it, and we push it away, and we just keep going. And we get used to living in the dark, I think. And we start to say things like, well, life is tough. Or we might say, what doesn't kill you will only make you stronger. Or, you know, the best thing you can teach your kids is resilience, so they can put up with all the knocks they're going to get in this world. Or death is just a part of life. It's inevitable. We think that life in the darkness is normal and the way things are meant to be. But on the very first Christmas, the light of the kingdom of heaven broke into this dark world. And you might remember the story of the shepherds in the field and how this army of angels suddenly appeared. They were in the dark in the middle of the night and then the whole sky was lit up with angels singing glory to God. Jesus is here. And they were shocked and terrified, we're told. And, you know, not surprising. And as Jesus grew and lived his life here, he kept shining the light of heaven into this world. 
he shows us what God's intentions for this world are. Jesus healed sick people. He spoke to storms and calmed the seas. He welcomed lonely outcasts. He befriended tax collectors who were extorting money from poor people and he transformed them in a meal, in the, in, in the course of a meal. Greedy hearts became generous ones. And to everyone watching on, and to us as we read it in the Bible, this looks utterly extraordinary. Jesus, the light of the world. But all he is doing is what is totally normal in the kingdom of heaven. All of his miraculous works are ordinary in the redeemed world that God is promising us. I think of that story of the two loaves and the fish that Jesus broke and fed a vast crowd of thousands. Totally unreal when you read that story. Totally unreal when you're used to living in darkness. But completely ordinary in the kingdom of light. And when we get used to the darkness, there's a kind of danger. And we see it in the passage... um, from John, John tells us that the very people who should have welcomed Jesus into this world didn't even recognize him. John writes, even though John the Baptist was sent in first to point, John the Baptist is going, there he is, there's the light of the world. I saw the Spirit come down on him from heaven. Look, there's the Messiah we've been waiting for. Even still, the religious elite did not recognise him. They had been reading Isaiah 9 their entire lives and they did not see the wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Jesus. In fact, they rejected him. Jesus really annoyed them. He upset them. In John chapter 9, there's a story where Jesus, you probably, you may well have heard this, heals a man who was born blind on the Sabbath day. And when you read that story, they're all upset because he's healed on the Sabbath, but is that what they're upset about? Was it because Jesus broke the rules of the Sabbath or was it because he healed a man who was born blind and who they believe, and they say it in the passage, that this man was steeped in sin from birth? They have passed a judgment on him. They thought to be born blind was punishment from God. But Jesus said no. And this healing is not about that. It is so I can shine the glorious light of God and you might see who I am. Well, they didn't like it. And Jesus added to this, and you too are sinners. He told them, you too need my rescue and redemption. And they hated hearing this. Because they believed that they were good enough and they were us and them people. Do you know what I mean when I say us and them? We're okay and that's your fault. And this is what's going on so much in our world today. Who is right and who is wrong? They were judging people according to their standards. And the problem is, of course, that their standards were made and exercised in the dark world. Not the kingdom of heaven where our morality is weak. And God's goodness is utterly beautiful and transformative. 
Well, these people who should have recognised Jesus would not allow him to shine a light on their hearts and show their need for him. They didn't want him in the world at all. And look, we can't be proud like this either. This is pride. We're all invited to accept the death of Jesus on our behalf because it is light and freedom for us. And we can't let our vision or our aspirations to be too small either. I think this is what's going on as well. Though the kingdom of God, as I've said, is spiritual. It reaches throughout time and space. It reaches to us here in Fairfield this morning. But those leaders at the time wanted a powerful political leader who would get back the land and rule them and their people in that time. That's what they thought the Messiah figure should be. Another man like David, to rule for that time. They couldn't see how expansive Isaiah's prophecy was, but if you take a look at it, we can see it now. Isaiah says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. It's very possible that our own vision and aspirations are also too narrow, I think. Often we think that following Jesus means that God is going to fix things for us right here and now, just like those leaders did. But this is not what is promised to us. Through the life and death of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven has broken into our dark world and the work of renewing all creation has begun. And we need to think big about what this might mean, bigger than our own individual lives. What might this mean for us as a church? We're going to talk about that more next week when we think about what it looks like to be children of the light. Well, take your cloth again. As you tore your cloth apart, maybe you want to crumple it in your fist now. I wonder how uh, you felt about it and maybe how you're feeling about it now. And I love the intergenerational talk here. Which is more powerful, though, the darkness or the light? When, when Ali said, who's going to win, I thought, I know what answer I should say. But actually, so often I think we feel like this world is never going to change, that the darkness is winning. But John says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Can this really be true? It didn't even look that way in Jesus' time. Rejected, plotted against, and about to be arrested, Jesus turns to his disciples in John chapter 12 and says, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of the light. Matthew, Mark and Luke all record in their gospel that when Jesus died on the cross, it was the middle of the day and darkness covered the land. Extraordinary event. It looked like the light of the world had been extinguished in death by the powers of darkness. But on Easter Sunday, Jesus began to appear to his disciples again very much alive 
What looked like defeat was in fact Jesus taking on the powers of darkness. And in his death and resurrection, he won. He broke the power of darkness and death. And so we live in hope. We live in hope. And this hope must grow in us. How can this happen? There's a couple of things I want to suggest. First of all, I want to suggest, as counterintuitive as it might sound, to keep lamenting the darkness. Sometimes you need to switch off. But look, when you see what's going on, the darkness in our world, lament it. Bring it before God and say, I know this is not the way you want things to be. I know this is not your plan for this world. Let's not get used to it. And secondly, let's long for and look for Jesus. You might want to smooth your fabric out now and hold it up and let the light come through. See if you can see some light coming through the darkness. We need to look for the kingdom breaking into this world and through our church. And we need to remember that Jesus is coming back again. You know, he said he would die and rise again, and he did. He said that he would defeat sin and death, and he has. He said that his Holy Spirit would come and continue to grow his kingdom in his people, the kingdom of light, and so he is. He promised that he would return. And because he is faithful to his promises, we know that he will. So often we long for things in this life without any real certainty that we're going to get them. But when we long and look for Jesus, we can do so with confident expectation. The light will win and the darkness will not. The darkness will disappear. The picture of the kingdom of heaven when Jesus returns is a city that has no night. The light is always shining. So long for it and look for it breaking into this world. I've been totally captivated by the story of um, Layla and Danny Abdullah. I don't know if you know about this family from Sydney, Christian family. It's, a, it's an awful story of darkness, but also of God's light breaking into our world. The beginning of 2020, they sent their children out to buy ice cream. And a drunk and drug-affected driver mounted the pavement, and three of their children were lost that day, and their niece. Now, why are we still talking about this story in Australia? Because on that day, they came to the site, and they knelt down on the ground, and they prayed the Lord's Prayer. And they said publicly, we forgive the man who did this. That is the kind of unreal thing that Jesus did when he was here. That is the kingdom of light breaking in in a way that we cannot really understand. How can they do that? When you hear them speak, you hear them say, this was the only thing we could do. It wasn't easy, but they knew that to forgive was to walk in the light. And that light and freedom was what would come from forgiving this man. And just this week, they spoke at the National Prayer Day. And what they revealed is that the man, Samuel Davidson, has uh, become a follower of Jesus, the man who was driving the car. I feel quite emotional talking about this because it is just so extraordinary. And Danny has spoken to him, this man, to Samuel. He said, I spoke to Samuel and I asked him, what made you become a Christian? And Samuel said, because I want what you have. 
Your act of forgiveness saved my life in prison. I was isolated, and when the inmates saw our act of forgiveness, they left me alone. He said, my life is finished, and he was isolated. But when he saw our faith and our forgiveness, this is what made him turn to God. Samuel says, the depth of forgiveness is only through the grace of God. And now he reads scripture daily and can't wait to get locked up in his cell at the end of the day to read the Bible and more books about Christ. The kingdom of God is here. It has broken through and Jesus will come again. And so I want to say to you, if you have never received Jesus as the light of your life, I encourage you to do that today. You might need to find out more, but don't delay. We must not get used to living in the darkness, friends. Jesus came to heal us and renew us. And in a world of trouble, this is good, good news for us and for our friends. So please don't keep it to yourselves. We have Christmas coming up and all all the way up to Christmas, we are sharing this good news. So bring your friends. I'm so looking forward to being here at Christmas and singing Christmas songs. And all week I've been reminded of Hark the Herald Angels Sing as I thought about the shepherds in the field. And I want to end uh, with a verse of that as a prayer for us now. Let's pray. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the S-U-N, Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that we no more may die. Born to raise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Amen.